Welcome to episode 8 of Iconic Seasons 1987, the year that saw one of the most iconic matchups in NCAA basketball history. On today's episode, we're going to be recapping the second Final Four game between Indiana and UNLV. This game was everything you could ever want in a championship matchup. It had two of the best teams in the country, some of the most exciting players in the game, and it came down to the wire. We'll start by interviewing former Hoosier six man, Joe Hillman, who was on the court for all the action. Then, Robert and I deep dive into the game, breaking down every key play and moment. If you're a fan of basketball, you don't want to miss this episode. Tune in, and if you like it, leave us a rating or review. This is episode eight of Iconic Seasons, 1987. All right, we're talking IU-UNLV today, the Final Four game, and we start out by setting the scene. And this year's just different with the huge crowds and the New Orleans location, the different storylines coming into the Final Four. So I want to start out, get your perspective on what you thought about the location in New Orleans, just the teams in IU-UNLV and, and coming into this game. I mean, the atmosphere is just crazy, right? I mean, they got the most fans that ever attend a game. Like, they show... The Superdome, and up there on the ceiling, or in the upper seats, you can't even hardly see the floor. I mean, personally, I'm not the biggest person on heights. I don't think I'd want to sit up there. I'd probably just watch it on TV because you'd be able to see it. But just like the atmosphere of walking down the strip, you know, crazy parties, like, I could only imagine the scene. I mean, it had to be almost like a Mardi Gras scene, right? For sure. You know, you see some of the wildest things at the Final Four, especially when it's in a place like New Orleans. First of all, there's people to meet, like Armin Gilliam and Ronnie Cycli of Syracuse, and Gary Graham giving Cycli a left hook with his voodoo doll. You see players stepping out of their favorite disco in New Orleans. Then there's David Willard meeting up with the Providence cheerleaders. Everywhere you go in New Orleans, you see these human sharks. Shark, shark, shark. This is the home of decadence. It's uh, this. This would make uh, Las Vegas look a little bit like a synagogue. This is a wild place, you know. This is the Disney to... World for adult people, and I think it's the most beautiful place on earth for me. And you had a very exciting team in UNLV coming up and down. This is like the beginning of the three-point running gun, right? Like the excitement. It's literally the, the beginning since yeah. it's the first year. I, well, that's what, I, <laughs> what I'm saying, like it's just like a different type of basketball, more sure. more exciting type of basketball that before you know, people could stay in the paint or whatever and it kind of got boring. But now you're just running, they're firing it. They're probably more dunks because the floor is more open. And then, you know, you got IU, which is was, was a powerhouse back then on a regular basis that come in with a different style of play that had a, to see how that was going to compare to the new style, right? So there's a lot of a lot of buzz on how they were going to be able to adjust, right? Yeah, I think the we watched a couple of news programs uh, just about the size of the Superdome, and it is. Like someone said, it's the eighth wonder of the world and 68,000 people. Well, we've got the largest crowd ever for a college basketball game watching the Final Four here in the Dome, 64,959. And folks, not everybody has a perfect seat here on my point out. We're going to show you a couple of them. 27 stories above the action and paid 1750. You got to wonder if they get their money's worth. As a matter of fact, one fan I talked to said that from up here, the game is nothing but a rumor. Brent? <laughs> then there were players amazed at an arena that's got to be about three times the size of the Thomas and Mac. God, Ron, I don't really have to say anything about this place. This is huge. It's beautiful, though. 
I never seen nothing like this before. It's like one of the eighth wonders of the world or something like that to me. You know? And it's hard to for people to imagine maybe now, maybe a lot of the people listening to this might be able to dial in like what how bad TVs were. So it was probably still worth going to the game just for the atmosphere, even if you would have been far away. Because I remember watching TV in the 80s on a tiny little yeah. <laughs> TV. So it's not worth thinking of our like beautiful flat screens and HD now. So yeah, compared to that, it would be awful to sit in those seats. But uh, maybe in 1987, it still might have been worth it. I guess just be. I guess it's true. Just being in the atmosphere, the the crowds going crazy. You know, I mean, I'm sure they had the an audio system in there that had to be pretty loud, where yeah. everybody could hear at least what's going on. If they couldn't see it perfectly, so yeah, you're probably right. The TVs probably weren't the best back then. You probably couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah. It was probably more people listening to it on the radio back then than the oh, TV. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I wanted to get your take, too, on just the preparation for this, because, of course, by by now, uh, hopefully, if, if people haven't already, you should go back and listen to the Hillman and the Freddie Banks interviews, because they talk about the different preparations leading up to this game. IU t- treats this as like any other game, basically. They stay in Bloomington. They're doing their regular practices. Everything is like on, on TV. Meanwhile, uh, Vegas flies into the beginning of the week and Tark basically says, hey, guys, ex- go experience the, the city. And you can imagine, like, I don't know, uh. you know, college age uh, men, you know, you let him go in New Orleans for a few days. He's lucky that he got everybody back. Let's just say that. I, w- I would say that is very true. I would say they probably got in a little bit of trouble because I'm sure that they had never been in that type of situation, some of them, where... You know, there's so much going on. Well, my like, favorite is one of them says that uh, New Orleans makes Las Vegas look tame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is a different approach for sure. Like, Are you guys going to start getting your mind now on basketball a little more? I know you've had fun and had some parties for the last day or so. Uh, is now when you're going to kick in gear for basketball? That's what the practice is about today. Really about getting our mind back into basketball. What are you listening to? Dougie Fresh. <laughs> <laughs> can you hear me, Freddie? Oh, yeah, I can hear you very well. Okay. <laughs> tell me tell me how practice was today. Was it pretty intense? Oh, it was very intense. And uh, I think we did a pretty good job trying to do a little something that uh, Indiana going to do. And um, I have a tough assignment. I got to guard Steve Alford. What do you guys think? Are you guys ready for ready for Indiana? Go ahead. Ah, <laughs> no, you copped out. Come you on. Know. What do you think? No, we're ready, man. It is too totally different identities as far as UNLV was just like, we're going to kind of let the players be the players, do whatever they want to do, where Knight has his strict guidelines. So it is pretty much the opposite, right? So it's pretty crazy when you think of it that way. It seemed like their mentalities coming into it, and Freddie even acknowledges as much that maybe they weren't as dialed in. Like, And I think that it can feel that way a little bit when you get to the Final Four that is such an accomplishment that it can feel like an end of the road rather than like, hey, we've got two more wins to go. You know, and I think that that is interesting to try to frame it up. Like uh, Coach Knight definitely framed it up as like, we're going there to win this. Um, and that can, you know, you have to almost instill that, uh, especially if you're going up against a quality opponent. Well, and I would think too that maybe because they went early, all the praise, all the celebration, you know, you almost feel like you've already, like you said, that you've already won, right? And I'm sure, like, in these guys' heads, you know, they're lost one game during the season. Like, they're untouchable. They're in the Final Four. Like, let's go party. We'll be fine. Yeah. You know, where Knight was, 
Knight kept him away from that. So maybe you know, he's probably yelling at him, telling him they're not very good, <laughs> you know, up in Bloomington. And they don't have all these people praising him. And, you know, like they probably came in more with a mindset of let's go win this than, yeah. you know, if you were partying all week. For sure. For <laughs> sure. All right, let's uh, let's talk about what jumped out. So the the game starts. Uh, what what jumps out to you as as the game uh, tips off and gets going? I mean, I think that what jumped off right away was that Thomas got three fouls, and that was a pretty big part of IU's basketball team, especially because Gilligan was so good. I mean, it took away some of the athletic ability. I mean, Isle came in and he played great, right? Yep. Like, I mean, obviously it was a step down. Yeah, but he still held his own. Alford pulls it up. It's going to go against Thomas. That's two fouls on Thomas. Down away from the ball. Dick Paparo, a tough official, comes in here and whistles two quick ones. Notice how Bob Knight kept his cool there. Now that's an off. Two fouls away from the ball. Been called right there. Thomas away from the ball completely. Can't believe it. Trying to set the screens inside. Thomas puts it down. Comes to the glass. Score the field goal. And Thomas' third personal foul. Offensive foul. Field goal, and Steve Isle becomes the man of the moment for Indiana. I was kind of surprised that how easy that IU kind of got through the press at the beginning and how they kind of went away from it because that was kind of one of their identities for the year, UNLV. I mean, they averaged like nine steals a game, you know. But in the bigger picture, maybe it was a blessing that he got three fouls, right? Maybe. Because he he dribbled the ball a lot, yeah. right? And then the same thing goes for. We'll talk about it later. I don't want to get into it yet. No, but, you can go, you go. You know, wherever. like I, I thought that the biggest thing from this game that I thought was is, you know, Hillman in the second half when he came in, and how he just played smart basketball. Right? He might not have been the best athlete in the in the game by far, but he was smart. And this game, like they they couldn't afford the mistakes because if you made a mistake, UNLV was just going to burn you. Right, because they were so fast. You know, that's what they wanted to do. I felt like, you know, Smart is a really good basketball player, but he gambles more, you know, to where Hillman was just going to do what he needed to do, and he didn't care if he was the the guy. He He was just happy to be out there and do whatever was asked of him, right? Uh, No, I think that there is something to be said for that game manager, that that person who is willing to – control the game a little bit rather than fall into some things like again part of what made UNLV so special is that everybody on the team scored and and one of the ways that IU won this game is by limiting it just to Gilliam and Freddie Banks that's like the only guys who really went off in this game were those two guys Bass Knight all their other players you know just did had poor shooting performances or didn't really score at all you know the Wade had a ton of assists in this game but he didn't score didn't score at all and i think that you know sometimes like coming in and controlling a piece of the of the game and controlling where the basketball goes or like you said not not limiting those turnovers so that eat the guys who score are the only, are the guys that have to create the shot for themselves and it's just it's a little bit harder um, than if it's a steal and a fast break and a and a layup and gets everybody kind of juiced on that those were two dimensional Armand Gilliam and Freddie Banks and that was it Gilliam fought through the inside for 32 points and Banks had a game high 38 he hit 10 three-pointers a new tournament record and i, and I thought that 
Another thing that IU did really good in this game was is they gave Wade room to shoot, which it really kind of it helped them with. I thought it helped them, in my opinion, in keeping Alford more fresh because he was just sitting back there besides having to run around and guard him. Yeah. You know, like that's time he got to rest because he doesn't stop moving on offense, right? So, you know, I think Wade probably should have been more aggressive and maybe tacked him because, I mean, you're, if you go downhill and the guy's just sitting there, you're going to have the advantage, right? Yeah. You know, to a certain point. You know, so I thought that that was a big thing that IU did too. I mean, We'll talk about the rest of the guys, but the, the two guys from UL, you know, they were pretty good though. Like, Amazing! They, I mean, over over thirty each, and just shot shot the heck out of it. So let's we can get to a little bit of that in what age the best. So these are the things that would still look amazing if we were watching the game today. Obviously, the three point shot is around. I mean, this looks like a modern basketball game. Like if you. If you could like somehow retrofit it into the you know the the quality of the video looking better, then you wouldn't know that this was played uh, you know thirty plus years ago. You know, just looks fantastic. Lots of threes up and down. Steve Alford hitting shot after shot after shot. Uh, high le- high level. I mean, for college basketball, this is an extremely high level of basketball. Like they hit a ton of shots. The guys are are playing hard, physical defense, uh, great coaches. I mean, is that this has got everything you'd want in a game? Oh yeah, it, definitely an instant classic, right? Like yeah. I, UNLV, the way they played in this game, I mean it it is modern basketball. Yeah. Like IU, yeah, they shot they shot threes, but nothing of the as many as no. UNLV did. I mean, what did Banks end up with? Right. Eight, nine, ten threes, ten like threes. Yeah, I mean it's just. And the shots, he, the level of difficulty on some of these shots. Yeah, I mean, go up with you know, oh wild, like fading, like fading crazy, into the corner, right? fading into the corner. Full well, blast he said, pull-ups. <laughs> he I said, mean, this goes back to your Hillman thing when we were interviewing Freddie. He's like, oh, they they couldn't guard, they couldn't guard me. Well, my shooting was tremendous. Um, I shot the ball. <laughs> I really shot the ball tonight. You know, it was no question. Uh, everyone was in in my face, and I was just shooting over them and. I was getting fouled, but, you know, the ref didn't really protect me as much as he protects Steve. But, you know, Steve's a great player. But, again, I think that people people uh, forget, like, that that can, again, like, take away from the rest of the, rest of the team maybe a little bit. I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard now in re- this far in retrospect. But one thing you could think about is, like, you know, when you're that on fire, sometimes you, you have to be able to step back and – Get your t- get another teammate a shot or a basket just to keep them energized and engaged. Even if you're hitting every shot, because there's just something about like t- touching the ball yourself and seeing it go in the basket that helps you to you know stay energized and engaged. And so sometimes it's like that recognition, and that's so hard. That's almost like a coaching thing where the coach needed to needs to like, hey, get Jarvis a backdoor cut for a dunk, or you know, like some something to get the the other guys involved because it, it just it just never happened in this game no it didn't and i think part of that though was just the game plan that iu came in on i mean they they were going to double team gilliam make it really hard on him which yep he still <laughs> he still was phenomenal and it pulls it up now alford comes in all the way and gilliam is there with another block he's been a monster inside graham coming through 16 points here in the first half Gilliam known as the Hammer. Got his nickname from Spoon James. How'd you like to get a nickname from a guy called Spoon? Now that's scary. <laughs> and then 
they left off Wade. And really, I don't think that Banks really had a whole lot of options. Like, normally it was because they were starting to – they needed shots, yeah. right? Well, he's so, a scorer. And he's I mean, a scorer. It could have been, been Wade's responsibility. You yeah. Know? I don't know if it took away from the rest of the team. I would just say that some of the other players could have made a couple plays. It would have really opened up the middle for Gilliam. And that would have been that much harder, right? For sure. Yeah. Freddie's uh, stat line, two for four from two-point range, 10 of 19 from three. <laughs> I mean, just think about that. 19 threes he shot in 87. Like, I know. That had to be the most threes that's in any wild. game, that's right? Wild. That's wild. Well, uh, you know, all, all for two for four only in this game. So it kind of goes, goes to your point. And by the way, those, are, those two were the only uh, two that IU took for the whole game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I was saying. Like, IU still was in the transition of converting into the new style. Like, they did a little bit more, but UNLV was all in. Yeah. Like, they just, if you think about it, how hard would it be to be in college and be, you say you're a fourth year senior and there wasn't a three point line and you're used to playing defense a certain way and all of a sudden it just changes. A three point line comes out. This team's sprinting down the floor and every every year you've been used to going back, you know, to get into position and these guys are pulling up for three. Like yeah. you're like, well, our first thing was always you, t- you told us to get down here, to get a position. You know what I mean? Because like have, you get preached for three years about you better be in your spot. And then all of a sudden you're like, no, I don't want you in that spot. I want you in that spot. You know, you're going to have some miscues, right? Yeah. I will say that Hillman brought something up that I I do think is a valid point even today, too, that IU does hit on. I mean, they always search for high-quality shots, and they always looked for opportunities to get fouled and go to the free-throw line. Boy, Joe Hillman really knows how to operate an offense, sitting out there at the key, finding the open man and getting open himself. Here's Hillman coming down against the full-court pressure, gets the ball into Garrett's hands. And then positions himself for the offensive rebound. And here's Alford. Bangs in. A two, and Knight is furious. They're calling it a two. They say that his foot was on the line. Good call by the ref, but again, Brent Hillman. How many times has he been there today? Put a carrot. Against the double team, he goes to the glass. What we're seeing right now, a clinic half-court offense by Indiana. They're taking great shots, great passing. Which is another really efficient way to score. And and sure enough, Alfred, even though he only had the two threes, he shot 13 free throws and hit 11 out of 13 for 86, 85, 86% there. So, you know, that is also a, a super efficient way to get points on, on the board. Uh, if you're not going to be hitting threes, get great shots, get fouled, get fouled a bunch. Well, I guess this is, a, this is just an analogy for me. Uh, you remember when the Suns, had Steve Nash and they could hit all their threes. Yeah. And, you know, like, yeah, it worked until they got in the playoffs and then better defensive teams and then they usually fizzled out, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you could probably compare that to this UNLV team, right? Like, IU did the things that were smarter, right? And more efficient more often, I guess you could say. Yeah. Where the other ones was more of a bigger reward, also a less return, right? right? Like, if they're hitting threes and they're running and making steals and stuff, they look amazing, right? But if you slow it down and they take away a couple of the players... I mean, the better ones aren't as efficient. It's, it's so hard because these one and done tournaments, right? They, I mean, you could, it's a, it's it's a little even dissimilar to the NBA because it's like 
or 37 and two. So it worked 37 times. It didn't work two times. Like who's right. You know, like it, and then a couple of years later it works and they, you know, they win the, so it's some, some of it in the, the NCAA is just, is just luck. But I do think I want to pivot to night, uh, night's, choice here to run with them because he could have like taken the air out of the ball i mean it's 45 there is a shot clock 45 second shot clock they don't use that very often in this game like they're they're running with them uh you know they win the game 97 93 so that iu putting up 97 points is a a a big number for them so i just i I wonder what you thought about like that approach because he definitely thought that out do you think it tied back into the year before losing to cleveland state like the willingness to adjust adapt or take a take a big risk i would say this i thought that the end of the game right there was i don't remember how many minutes left but we had a pretty good lead and then we tried to stall it right and then we ended up turning the ball over. They hit a three. We end up trying to stall it again. They turn it over. They get an and one. All of a sudden, it's like 12 points to six points. And then they get right back in the game for a little bit right there. So I think that just proves that Knights were going to run with them made sense, right? Because I think that they were just, they were incredible athletes. And Smart was coming inside of Wade and drew the first foul on Vegas. Wade normally can outrun anybody with the ball, but Smart's one of the best athletes in college basketball. Nelly, can you believe that we've got six junior college graduates out here starting? Now, with Vegas, we know, but what in the world is going on? Well, if Bobby Knight hadn't had the two junior college players, he would not be in the Final Four, I can assure you. So if you slowed it down, they were fast enough to make it really hard on you in half court. So maybe it's better to make them think about it and basically do what they do to other people. Try to use our guys, run out. Maybe they make a mistake. You get a dunk. Maybe you get an open shot. All those points matter in the course of a game, right? If it's, you get an easy bucket here or there. All right, let's go to uh, the the coaching moment. So I thought I thought uh, night staying calm. I had head down. Yeah. The the announcers reference that because again, uh, Daryl gets his third foul, and you thought, boy, that's a real moment there for Coach Knight to lose his mind. But he was super focused and super calm on the bench. No, none none of those facial expressions that people like grew to. to <laughs> To recognize or or uh, the hysterics he's just kind of sitting there and then of course uh real er, real early tark breaks out the towel it's it's uh not not long into the game and he is sucking on that wet towel wet towel on the sideline that's I, wild and we reach a point where the shark says i gotta get the towel out he got it out early today i watched him nibbling over there about a minute ago Indiana moved into a five-point lead when Keith Smart drove, spun, jumped, and connected. And the longtime UNLV coach, Jerry Tarkanian, turned to his trademark, his towel, for consolation. It didn't help. Miles driving layup lifted Indiana's lead to seven. <laughs> yeah, he likes that towel. In the in the era, in the best in era of COVID, could they could he have gotten away with that? Would he have been had to put that away? I said they probably would have made him replace that every quarter. Yeah, and I thought it was funny that the announcer said, "Well, it's normally a white towel, but today it's got some." decals or it's got some stuff on it so maybe he should go back to the plain white towel because that's what works for him i thought that was funny but no coach knight it was crazy watching him and him just staying cool that second foul that thomas got on him like i didn't think it was a foul so you know he was worked up about that and the third one i mean one of your best players is already out in the first half but maybe that was his strategy maybe he thought if he got on him in that game maybe they buckle a little bit and that maybe that's all it takes for unlv to go on a big run yeah 
You know, maybe that was the strategy. Like, it's not going to help to yell at them because if they you put them under more pressure, maybe it goes the opposite way. We need to stay smart. It definitely seemed though that again along that theme of Knight being able to adapt in this game to the to the situation. Again, like you said, in an up and down game to recognize like, hey, if we're going to play fast and at this pace there's going to be some runs like there's going to be enough possessions to get in and get out of the game and i don't have to micromanage it as much it's got to be like a mindset thing that he brought brought into that that moment would you think of uh unlv having run after halftime to (laughs) out of the tunnel that was pretty wild right like would that ever happen today like they have to just to set it up for the people listening they they i guess got freddie as freddie tells it they got notified late that the second half was about to start and so they have to sprint from the locker room in this in this huge dome and it's like all the way across the arena and you can even see Tark running you know like awkwardly for a long distance to get there and I guess Knight uh, the announcers are saying like he's trying to get them to start the game and be like hey let's get this thing rolling like not waiting for them to get there seconds left toward the start of the second half the Vegas players just filing out on the floor they're not even getting an opportunity to warm up that's very unusual it really is i wonder if somebody forgot uh, on jerry's part to let his club know what the time was left on the clock you can't come out without getting a little bit warm and i'll be shocked if they could come out freddie banks example never even touched the ball they may start the second half without jerry on the bench is that following the same line of thinking that we used earlier when we said that iu came in with the prepared ready to go and unlv was kind of loose loose with their plan because i mean there's no way you should come out of the tunnel in a Final no. Four game yeah. late. I mean, like, I can't imagine. I talk about Knight mad. How mad would he have been if he hadn't got? He probably would have threw a chair at the person <laughs> yeah, that didn't tell sure, him. Yeah. I mean, something for bad sure. would have happened to the person sure. that was supposed oh to tell God. him, right? Oh my like, God. Sure. I don't, I don't know how the communication doesn't get made. That hey, we got. Five minutes. Wild. Five minutes, ten minutes. I Wild. Mean, Wild yeah. that they would put it on TV, too. Like, they're just like, yeah, wow, that's a huge mistake. Let's they go would, ahead and They wouldn't do it now. Yeah, they they would be like, film. let's go back to break. And yeah. they'd be like, oh, we had a spill on the floor, so we had to wait to start it till <laughs> later. Sure. Like, they would have made up some kind of excuse. Oh, technical difficulties on the shot clock, so we had to wait. 100%. What were uh, your plays of the game? What were your favorite plays of the game? The plays, I think that Hillman had some pretty big plays down the stretch. I mean, the one he got off, he got the rebound and took it back out and gave it to Offord for the three. That was a huge play. Huge. I mean, yeah, it doesn't really come up in the stat sheet for him, but I mean, it was an effort play, yeah. right? Like he boxed out, he got the rebound, and he was able to find him. And that was really a crucial part of the game. Like they were coming back. I mean, obviously, Freddie Banks hitting. I mean, like we said earlier, I mean, some of those shots were just like wild. Yeah. They didn't want to say anything the way it's going. There's a three from Banks. They're two and three with the threes. And Bass Knight knocks the ball out of bounds. And you've got to be impressed with the quickness that Vegas has shown Indiana early in this game. Brent, they're not only quick, they've got size with quickness. And that's really hard to handle. Uh, he was uh, he was unconscious. Like he came to play. He was yeah. he was unconscious. I mean, I would I should have went and looked it up to see. He might have been listening. What the to record was for three point shots in a in a NCAA game because 
I mean, this was 87, so I mean, it can't be much more than 10. I, can, I wouldn't imagine. So Can't, can't imagine. He, his Dougie Fresh uh, tunes that he was listening to must have oh, yeah. really got him ready. Must have really got him ready I'm, for the. For I better it. find that out, and I better listen to that before I go play That's basketball right. you need next, to go time. next time. Before your next game, listen to a little <laughs> Dougie Fresh. All right, let's get the long shot moment. What was the what, what was the shot for you that defined the the game from from distance? Because there was a bunch to to choose from. Did you but did you have one that you, that stood out? The offered in one was pretty big. Offered couldn't do anything with Graham, so he sends it back to Isle. Clinic by Graham right there. Winds up in Callaway's hands. Now it's Steve's three. Yes, and a good ball. There were so many that Banks hit. I know that's that's for the other team, but he hit so uh, many tough shots. I mean, full sprint, just pulling up for three on the side, like even like fading a little bit to the, his body sideways and hitting it. I didn't know they shot shots like that in 87, to tell you the truth. Like, not saying they, they weren't great shooters or anything. Back then, it was more fundamental. You go straight up, you go straight down. So that would probably have been, there's really not one, I guess. Uh, he's still number two all time. There's Jeff Jeff Fryer, Loyola Marymount, 1990, hit 11. Yeah, so I mean that just tells you how crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it's 87, like yeah. the first year of the three point yeah. line. I mean yeah. it, it's unbelievable what he did, and you know what? Nobody really talks about it that much because they lost. Well, they talked about it was funny because uh, studying this game, of course, during this year, Wade's record for assists just got broken by the Kansas State player in that in that game. So pretty interesting. He had the record for assists in this game. <laughs> so this was quite this is a record breaking game. It was. It was monumental. All right, uh, buy or sell take here. So we're gonna go. We'll go back and back and forth on this one. Uh, here, here's mine. The loss to Cleveland State the year before was key to IU winning the championship. Because I, so I see that I really am framing this up. Like I believe that them losing that game, Knight failing to to make the adjustments in that game, you know, the way that it haunted him, like propelled him to make this bold decision uh, to take to take out UNLV, who I think was the best team in in the tournament. Once they beat them, of course, it's not given against Syracuse by by any means, but they seemed sort of destined, you know, after the, after you take take out the best team. I think that's part of it. I think the the trip that we talked about before, I think that's part of it too, because I feel like the guys that came off the bench that were willing to pl- play their role to a T and not try to be a superstar, they really just did what they had to do for IU to win. They didn't care if they shot. I think that has to do with chemistry was better. They yeah. were bonded together, and they, they wanted to win for everybody. At this level of basketball, there's, you see it rarely that, that a player comes in at a game like this, and they don't care if they shoot or anything. All they care about is playing good defense, passing the ball, setting their players up. That's pretty rare that they're not going to try to make it their moment. Relationships, I definitely, you know, at times I think maybe underestimated how important that team continuity is because you see a lot of talent. You want to think like, oh, that's that's going to win out. And you do need a certain level of talent. But, you know, talking to Freddie and talking to Joe Hillman, they talk about the first one of the first things they hit on isn't like, oh, how good Steve Alford was, like how good a teammate he was. Freddie talked about like how close him and Wade were, and, you know, and like and how important it was when smart and Dean Garrett came in and they fit into the culture. Like they don't hit on like, these guys are good. It's like, of course they're good. They wouldn't be on this team if they weren't really good. Once you hit that, then you need that, that person who is willing to sacrifice some part of their game. Cause that's the weird thing. Like all these guys were absolute Uber superstars in high school. So at some point, you know, you get to a certain level and you have to decide how can I contribute to this particular team 
And sometimes what am I going to sacrifice to to be on the court in those moments? It's going to happen and going to take some sacrifice at times. And it's overlooking your ego. You're thinking, I should be on the court. You played basketball for a long time. If you're sitting on the sideline and say that a player's in there and he's not playing his best game. That's just a thought you're going to have no matter what. Like, what if I was in there? I could do better than this guy. I'll play a harder defense than that guy. Like, yeah. I would make that shot. I mean, it's always easier to do on the bench. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you can always convince yourself Even on the bench. Even easier if you're just watching it on TV. Exactly. Exactly. Because you hear a lot of people say, well, if I if I was there, I could beat that guy. No, no, you couldn't. Like, it no, no. Maybe in your head, but you've been sitting on that couch for 30 years. Yeah. You ain't getting up anytime soon. Uh, let's get to uh, our final category, the big t- picture context. What did this uh, game mean for the weekend and heading into the national championship? So after they win this, what what do you think? What are you thinking about IU? I think that it's, it's just setting the stage, right? Like, I mean, you had... One of the best games that college basketball played. The excitement of the fans. You're playing Syracuse, which is an unbelievable team. They got NBA players in their team, too. Really good players. I mean, I think it just sets it up for a really exciting national championship yeah. game. That You know, after this game, you're probably thinking, man, it's going to be a high-scoring, fast-paced. It's going to be right. fun, <laughs> right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. And you and, and unknown, too. I think that now it's now it's like we've got one, we've got one more, but it's it is about bringing it back around and keeping focused and Hillman said that that too like he was the one like telling Alfred to <laughs> hey we got one more to win and Alfred's like hey we well, know we need to take a moment to celebrate cuz the, the the journey you can miss I think part enjoying part of the journey sometimes uh, and and really enjoying like the the chance the chance to play in the this level of games and that that type of atmosphere the biggest crowd in NCAA history I mean that's that's neat and your whole family's there like just appreciating that is pretty you know had to be a pretty special. Well, most good coaches that you hear, like after they win a game like this, they say, "Well, we're going to take the next six, eight hours to celebrate, and then when we get up in the morning." We're focused on the next game. Back to it. Yeah, because, I mean, you have to. Like you said, like, how exciting would it have been to be in this, even in the arena? Say that we were just, weren't even playing the game. Say yeah. that we were sitting down low and watching this game. Like, Amazing. It, we would have been so jacked up. Oh, my god! Like, I mean, it would have been insane, right? <laughs> New, or- New Orleans, uh, right after that. Right? Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm going to bed. I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. I'm getting ready for Monday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what did this mean for Coach Knight's career for IU as a whole? Because it's crazy to think that this is it. This is the this is the last championship he wins, the last championship IU wins. Is this, is this a good capstone to to his championship run? I think that this solidified him as one of the best coaches in history. I think he needed it because afterwards, I mean, he did. He went to oh, he went one more Final Four, yep. and he had like four more Sweet Sixteen. So it isn't like he didn't do no, anything. No, no, they had, they had opportunities. They didn't got win unlu- championships. They got unlucky, especially yeah. with the Calvert Chain and they won, Henderson one. I believe they won a couple Big Tens after this. Oh yeah, you yep. know so. It's hard. Yeah, I mean, what I mean, it is. It's hard to keep a level where you're going to win this many national. I mean, look at like Coach K or any of the great coaches, right? I mean, Dean Smith for years. Yeah, they go through lows. I mean, Coach Thompson only won one, which is crazy to think about because they were there three straight, (laughs) three straight years. I mean, how many coaches would have loved to won three national championships and won eleven Big Ten titles? All of them, exactly. (laughs) So I mean, I wouldn't say that this was the end of it, but I think this. This definitely was the peak of the mountain, right? Worst is this the worst uh, IU championship team? So seventy six, the, the best, obviously. I but mean, between eighty one and I, this, I, one. 
<laughs> I'll put it this way: any 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 national championship team is pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a cop out. That's this is like out. the this is the thirty year old guy on the couch that's saying I can go out there and play with him. Like <laughs> oh, Steve Alford was uh, pretty good. Yeah, you know all I right, think that right. it's so hard. I mean, they were the thirty and four, and we're gonna like oh, the worst national championship. The worst. Of the, I mean, of the of amazing, the amazing teams. They're all amazing. Obviously, I'm not saying that they're not. So you're saying you're taking a Isaiah over Alford? Think so. You think so? I mean, I don't know. I, yeah. I, it's a, that's too. That's, it's too hard of a. It's a hard question. It's a hard question yeah. for sure. I wasn't prepared for that question. I know. That's why I threw that at you. Yeah, ah. Throwing me on the bus. What about you? <laughs> yeah. No. I'm, I'm taking. I'm taking a 76 first, 81, then 87, but close. I just think that the 87 needed. I don't know. I just think Isaiah. You know, Isaiah Thomas. I think it comes down to that, like one v one player. Like I would, Isaiah Thomas has just got a bit more of a, another gear than than Alfred. Even though he's amazing, I just think that Thomas. Had, I think were they were different types of players. They were, but like for sure. But just like a, an unstu- like a force of nature type thing. How that Isaiah Thomas? Had. How would it have been if he would have posed Isaiah and he could have been two guard? Oh my god. You know what I mean? Like, because really, Alfred in this game, he's like a, a mini Curry. Not like he can shoot like Curry, but I mean, he can shoot good. But like running around off screens and everything else. Yeah. So imagine if he the had a championship game. We'll talk about that. He later. had a point guard like yeah. Isaiah to get penetrating and getting him open shots because yes. he didn't get a lot of open shots. He worked for about every shot he got in this game. For sure. For sure. All right. Last last question. We'll get out of here. Would this game be better with Bill Walton announcing? Yep. And we're at Stanford today, and we have got the game of the millennium tonight. It doesn't get any better than this. I do. Learn to love your job. Love pressure. Let's go. <laughs> think can succeed here. Barack Obama. I don't think he's going to coach. So. Well, what, you keep what, saying that, but why? You can, why are you so negative? Why do you just turn down? Party on. It's a wonderful day. It's Oregon. The sun was out. Come on. I'm going to say. <laughs> One hundred percent. Oh my gosh! Oh, you zagged on that one. I uh, love it. I, uh, Why? I just, I just felt like there were some really exciting moments in this game. Like yeah. there was a huge block. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah. it was a huge block, and they were just like. And he knocks it out of bounds. I'm like, I was waiting for the excitement to come through oh, the TV, okay, okay. through the TV, right? Like, I like it. Bill would have been losing his oh, mind. Oh yeah, in this he'd game. be like, oh my god, did he touch the ceiling when he touched? You know, like yeah. he would have been some like. I just think that they were both really good announcers. Yeah, they were. They know their stuff. Yeah, but there just wasn't enough celebration towards big moments. Yeah, right. Like, I like it, it was more mellow tone. Man, he really shot that deep, or you know, like he'd be like, oh my god, he shot that from outer space. You know, something you know of that nature. Like you just didn't get that i didn't get that now I, I i could i can get down with that i'm gonna stick with your answer and go with bill bill walton would have been better <laughs> it would have been hilarious i don't know if, <laughs> i don't know if final four although i think i forget now that there were i watched a recent uh bulls game where he was doing the announcing and there were games where he could rein it in somewhat i think now i think of like him he's on the sideline in his tie-dye t-shirt like he did show up to some games in the 90s in like suits so it's it's possible that he could have reeled it in just a little bit and still let us have a little more fun. But I, I think that you're right. He could have brought a little more excitement. I mean, what do you think fun. he would have been doing when Banks was hitting all these threes? Oh he'd have been like, oh my God, who is this guy? Did he yeah. come from outer space? Like, yeah. I thought about I thought about them coming in from the locker room. Boy, he would have been all over all over that. Were they drinking back there? Yeah. What was going on? I should have gone back there with my bicycle and picked them up. And picked them up. <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, for sure.
man who has traveled that journey to the championship, Dean Garrett. Dean, your thoughts about this victory? Hey, this is a great victory. Um, everybody thought we weren't going to win it. People were putting us down by three points and said Gillian was going to do this. UNLV was too fast for us. But hey, this shows you, you know, we're a strong team ourselves and we, you know, we're not quitters at all. Bob, I thought you got an incredible game off the bench today. Two guys came in and really used their heads to set a lot of things up. Steve Isle and Hillman. Well, Hillman and Isle played very well for us in the regional and have played uh, very well for us uh, in a lot of situations all year. And uh, That's what we recruited them for, to play very well for us. It was a thinking man's game in regard to substitution patterns and the way that you played. And you still understood it? I, I think I did, and I, and I thought you really did a super job taking advantage. When they went with a smaller club, let you stay with Hillman for a long time. Well, I, what happened? Uh, it, there had to be a lot of changes made. It was really a hot day, and I thought the UNLV kids were just absolutely plastered, their, their jerseys. Uh, I thought our kids did a heck of a job hanging in in the last 10 minutes. I thought we might just get worn down and be worn out in the last 10 minutes. Let's go to James. All right, Brent, thank you very much. Coach Tarkini, you had your team in the locker room a very long time at halftime. What did you see and what Indiana was doing that you were trying to counter? Well, you know, the first half, I didn't think that we played as hard as we could defensively. And, and secondly, we didn't play well, and yet we were only six down. So we kept thinking that we could come back. We just felt there was a few things. We just had to toughen up our defense and get more intense and, and get up in the passing lanes, which we didn't do. We were in a – our defense was tougher about 10 seconds, and then it broke down, and uh, we didn't sustain it today. I, you know, we came to a big game like this, and we weren't as quick as we'd been earlier in the year. And uh, – you know, it's, it's, it's a painful loss, but I'm, I'm so proud of this team that, you know, I just, it, it, it hurts a lot, but I'm extremely proud of our ball club. And Obviously a tough loss, but you wore number one very well. Coach, thank you very much. Thank you. To the delight of the Indiana cheerleaders. The Hoosiers made more than 65% of their shots in the second half. Rick Calloway made three out of four. Only the long-range bombing of Banks who scored on 10 of 19 three-point attempts and collected 38 points, kept UNLV in contention. With less than two minutes to play, and Indiana up by seven, Banks missed. But Armin Gilliam took the rebound and scored, and the running Rebels were still alive. They drew within four points when Banks sank another three-pointer with a minute and 11 seconds to play. But then UNLV missed its next five shots. And when Steve Isle turned a driving layup into a three-point play with only 13 seconds to go, Indiana had a nine-point lead and the game in hand. The final margin was four points. A disappointment, naturally, for Turkanian. A big victory for Knight, shooting for his third NCAA title and for Indiana's fifth. It would be his Hoosiers against the Orangemen of Syracuse in the 49th Annual National Collegiate Basketball Championship. I hope you enjoyed our game recap. Keep listening for my interview with Joe Hillman, sixth man on this Indiana team. He's got amazing insights about what brought the team together and the courtside and on-the-court view of this game. Well, 
want to I want to talk about before we get into kind of the setting the scene in New Orleans, the kind of origin story because you're hinting at some of that stuff as we're talking about this year's IU team. But I watched the big trip, and then I watched kind of the I watched the Cleveland State game leading up to this, and I was thinking about origin stories for teams. And you guys got in this era get more of a chance to build that camaraderie. Uh, but you know, I think it's a misnomer that teams don't get that. There are some players that come for a year and don't, but I think by and large, even this year's IU team has a, a lot of guys that have been there for a long time. So yeah, I just wondered about like the origin story and what you, what you thought about like building, you know, the building of this 1987 team, you know, there's, there's a lot of moving pieces. Was there one thing that catalyzed it or do you think it's just kind of everything coming together with the, you know, the transfers in the big trip yeah. when you guys are younger? Well, I, you know, the big trip gets a lot of, uh, I think everybody talks about that. Yeah. I'm not so sure. That. <laughs> I, I, I never bought into that because I thought yeah. we had a pretty good year the next year. I think the bigger thing was, Dean and Keith coming to the team and not only their ability and beyond their ability, they bought in and they said, okay, what do we need to do to play? Where do we need to go? Now, Dean was, Dean was a little easier Mm -hmm. because, you know, Hey, he was just kind of a back to the basket kind of grind. Keith was way more, you know, let's get it up down the, and he, you know, kind of had to be throttled back a little bit and get into the system. But those two guys buying into what we were trying to do, I think is a way bigger thing than the trip. I think the year prior, we actually saw a flip of Daryl Thomas because Daryl went from being kind of a, you know, a a good player and just kind of a role guy Mm -hmm. to a, we got to have you. And the year prior, he ended up having to play center, got hurt, played through being hurt. And he realized, hey, I can be a man, hmm. you know. And then, and then now he's a senior. And Daryl was such a good college basketball hmm. player. Yeah. I mean, he, and, and people underestimate how good he was. He scored for us. He defended the best post player, and he rebounded for us. I mean, Daryl was a great college basketball player. Yeah. And you know, now Steve comes back. He's a year stronger. And I mean, we just, we just, we, we had a core that kind of knew what to do. And now adding two guys that athletically and size-wise helped us. Um, and they, and and again, them buying into what we were trying to do, I, I, I they don't get enough credit for that. Yeah. How did you guys how did you guys bring them in? Because I think as as teammates, because I think that 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 goes maybe under the radar a little bit. UNLV it gets the kind of JUCO moniker that, you know, Tark's out there looking for guys from JUCO, but these guys were junior college transfers. And I'm sure there's like some, you know, if I, I'm just putting myself in like your shoes or, or one of the player's shoes, like these guys coming in from the outside, some of my playing time could potentially go to them and just kind of sizing them up and figuring out how you guys yeah, fit as teammates. You know, you know, Aaron, nobody didn't worry about that in Indiana mm. because under Bob Knight, if you, if you, if you played well in practice, you were going to play. Nobody could ever go to Coach Nine and say, I'm getting screwed here by playing. Because <laughs> every single day out there, you had a chance to do it. Okay. Our practices were brutal. I mean, we had seven guys on red and eight guys on white. And the seven guys that were in red at the end of the week or at, before game time were the guys that are going to play. And the hardest position, by far the hardest position in Indiana, was the seventh guy or sixth guy because you were replaceable. And those guys that were eight, nine on the road, they were fouling. They were grabbing in practice to get their jersey switched. And, you know, so nobody can complain about that under a Bob Knight system. Now, the year prior, we were really undersized. Mm-hmm. 
had a lot of those guys redshirting. So when we had the undersized bringing in Dean, who was kind of a late bloomer, was really a no brainer. All of a sudden, mm-hmm. we got a six ten guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so that and Dean came from a Dean Dean's family's military. I mean, Dean's very disciplined. He played for a guy in junior college that was a tough guy that got after him and. Um, that I don't think the transition was as hard for Dean just because big guys, big guys, you don't have to see the court as much as a guard. So yeah. it's a much diff- different thing for Keith and uh, Keith did a really nice job. His athletic ability allowed him to do some things that we just hadn't had. And, and then he kind of fit in and really what kind of got Keith going in that, in that last couple of games was just that we kind of went to a three guard and he got to float around and not have to handle the ball. He was catching the ball on the move and going to the, you know, getting it going to the basket with angles and instead of having to beat everybody off the dribble type of deal. So I don't know. I mean, that, that to me, you know, yeah, the trip was, the trip was good because we had a lot of, we had a, we, we really had a terrible year that 84, 85 year. And so now we go on the trip, started off horrible. And then it got, it got pretty darn good. And we, and we started playing really well at the end. Uh, and then the following season, we were pretty damn good. You know, everybody remembers Cleveland <laughs> State, but we were 14 and three tied with Michigan going up to Michigan. Yeah. And we got absolutely drilled up in Michigan, <laughs> which happened. Lost, lost by 30, and coach went crazy. He was, <laughs> he was really mad and upset that we didn't compete for the Big Ten. And that, and we had a terrible week practice leading up to Cleveland State. Horrible. And I remember telling people, we're going to get our ass beat by Cleveland State. Oh, no way. Then I said, I'm telling you, this is a terrible matchup for us because they are small like us. Daryl was our biggest guy at 6'7". Their center was 6'6". They press. We are a terrible matchup for them. And we – that week of practice was so bad. We couldn't the, – the red shirts and, and, and team on the white jerseys were killing the red. <laughs> they couldn't break the press. We started off pressing with six guys just to make it harder, and yeah. they couldn't do anything. Finally went to five, and it was just a, it was just a bad week of practice. And, and Coach was had us on edge a little bit from just drilling us from losing and not competing up in Michigan. I mean, we lost 80 to 50 up there. And he was mad about the fact that we just didn't fight and scratch and claw. And um, and then in reverse, though, we go to the UNLV the following year. And the biggest thing that stands out to me was our preparation for the UNLV game. Yeah, go I mean, go into that because you got this week leading up to this. And, of course, the LSU game was close, too. Well, the LSU one, game we probably should have lost. Yeah, one-point win there. So that's a classic we didn't, we didn't tournament. Play, we didn't play very well in the LSU game, and but we scrapped and we hung in there and we made some plays at the end. And you know, so that was on a Sunday. We yep. come back Sunday night and got back pretty late because I think we played at five thirty or something. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe it was a five o'clock game. We didn't get back till eleven eleven thirty on Sunday night. Uh, get to the Bloomington Airport and there's probably ten thousand people. <laughs> so everybody's telling us how great we are. And we're yep. doing all this. And I had played a minute, made a really big play in the LSU game. Got got out of the break, steal, laid it in, got fouled. And so the next day at practice, which is Monday, you know, we don't play again until Saturday. And we're thinking, all right, we're pretty tired. Well, it says get dressed, get taped, <laughs> which meant we're going full blast yeah. on Monday. And, you know, we all expected maybe to say get dressed. Get dressed meant we're going to walk through some stuff. So get dressed, get taped go through our normal routine. We go out, we're shooting around and coach says, let's go in. Um, so we, 
we go in and, and Felling's sitting there and he's got the stat sheet. He says, Hillman, Jesus, son, you scored three points in a minute. You think about if you played 40 minutes, you'd score 120. And I go, well, tell the dumb son of a bitch to play me more. And coach walks around. Hillman, there'll never be a day in Indiana when you play 40 minutes. And everybody laughed and giggled. That's so up, huh? Practice, though, and we can't do anything right. You know, we're, do, we're doing our normal just four four lines, and we do the three-man weave. We're doing – and we get into just some drills, and, and coach is going crazy. This is absolute fucking bullshit. If this is all the effort we're going to put in, then we might as well not even go down to New Orleans. We might as well even forget about – I got no interest. If you don't have any better effort wanting to go down and play 80 minutes, then forget it. Get the hell out of here. Kicks us out. <laughs> but like, you know, 15 minutes into the practice. Wow. So we go into practice, you know, we go in the locker room there, you know, Steve's like, hey, come on, guys, come on. We got da, 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 da. We go back out there and coach us in the middle of the court and says, nope, nope, get the hell out of here. And when you guys are right, you let me know when you want to practice, but I don't want to see this anymore. Hmm. And the lights go out in assembly hall. Wow. Amazing. So flash ahead, we come back on Tuesday, do our normal thing. We go in, he says, all right, here's the deal. I've just watched all this film that we've seen, and here's the here's the situation. We are getting rid of the four-pass rule. We're going to go play Vegas, and we're going to run up and down with them. I do not want to play against them for 40 seconds, 45 seconds. They'll wear us out, and we're going to lose. But they will give us wide-open shots in the break and breaking their press, and I, we, we're going to take the first good shot every single possession. So we're all like, holy God, are you kidding me? Did you think yeah. he was crazy? Like say, say that, like that's no, such no, a no, change. No. He, he said, Hey, I've watched it. If we, if we break the press and stop, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to smother us <laughs> and they'll, they'll make it really hard for us to score. But if we break the press, we will get layups and wide open shots. And so we go out of practice and we had a great practice and coach came in and wrote up 80 minutes, two games. He said, Hey, here's the deal. We're going to New Orleans to win two games. You guys want to go down to New Orleans like these other teams are going to go down there tonight, tomorrow. That's fine. You want to go have fun in New Orleans? Go do it when you graduate. <laughs> We're going down to win two games. And if you don't want to go down there and win two games, then then, then let's just stop right now. He walked out. Great practice Wednesday. Great practice Thursday. We got to be down in New Orleans. I mean, we're sharp. I mean, he's and he's. He's yeah. pushing. He, you know, he's clapping. I mean, he's got an energy about this is going to work. This is going to work. We got to be down to New Orleans at one thirty for our mandatory shoot around. So we're going to practice at nine o'clock in the morning. And so we do our normal little routine, warm up, go out. And now we're going to start practice. And coach says, all right, red, bring it in. White convert on misses and all for drills at three on the first possession. And Knight says, Let's go. We're ready to win now. <laughs> we go in, shower, get on the bus, and go down. Wow. Amazing. But when when Alford drilled that three, I mean, I still get chills when I say that. And he said, we're ready to win a national championship. Let's go. I mean, it was great. It was unbelievable. So we had a great, we had a great week of practice, and we had a great belief that what we were going to do against Vegas was going to work, letting us run up and down the floor with them. And nobody thought we were going to do it. If you watch the game again, Billy Packer goes, 
I don't know what Bob Knight's doing. This is crazy. He's running up and down. Because we did. We got wide open shots and a million layups. If it's not for Freddie Banks going crazy in the last three minutes, yes. we beat them by 15. Okay, I got to ask you one question. Rewinding. Were you guys talking to each other? Because I know I lo- after playing it, I like to like recap things. But were you guys talking in the locker room, talking each other up? Like, this is going to work. We can we can do no, this. Or- no, because no, we always had a great belief in what we were doing anyways. I mean, the one thing at Indiana – that, that that group had and Knight instilled it and, and probably in the 81 team in the 75 and 76 and the 80 team. I mean, the good, he created and made it. You were more fearful for losing than you liked winning. Mm. You hate to lose more than you like to win. Okay. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, cause you just didn't want to go through all the shit. <laughs> um, and we had a, we had a great core that everybody knew. Hey, here are the guys. Here's what we're going to do. If you get an opportunity to play, just contribute. Just be a positive part of the game. Whether you play two minutes, one minute, doesn't matter. You don't have to be spectacular because our other guys are going to do that. And, and everybody had a an understanding of what, what your role was. The following year, we had none of that. In my senior year, that all came back again. Everybody knew their role. And it was just amazing on how those teams that kind of have a good understanding of what you are, they just gel better than when you have a bunch of guys trying to do things that they probably shouldn't do. And and so going into that, there was never any of that. Now, if we were playing bad, there was, you know, we had the capabilities of guys getting on each other and um, pushing each other a little bit. And and then sometimes we're just, you just didn't need to say stuff, you know, guys knew, but going into that, it was, it was almost a relief of, Oh my gosh, he's going to let us, he's going to let us do our thing. <laughs> um, and, and he's taking the reins off. So, and, and then I think once you got out there and we got into the flow against Vegas and it was, you know, you could see we, he was right. We were getting whatever we wanted. And the interesting thing that we did too in that game, which was, which was really good, not at the start, but, but um, I don't know, somebody got into early foul trouble and I'll had to come into the game. Mm-hmm. And I'll just start bringing the ball up against their press. And they had a big guy guarding it. And that was no problem. They were doing whatever, kick it over. And it was. And then when I came in, they had a forward guard me. And we could just bring it up. And so we eliminated a lot of their pressure by using a guy that was being guarded by a big guy. But then they would still do that stupid trap and whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, that that game was, was a physical drain because of how fast it went up and down the court. But it was easy to get offensively. It was easy. You guys had a you guys had a flow. There wasn't it, but there they they didn't do a lot of holding and grabbing and no. whatever. They you, you just played where you know when you play a team like Illinois or whatever they 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 sat on you and they <sighs> jumped screens and they you know I mean it, Vegas did none of that. What about offensively? Like what what did you notice when you were watching that them coming back at you because they had some unbelievable like you. Like you said, performances like uh, shooting. I mean, they put up thirty-five threes. I, I had I had to double check that before we came on. Thirty How many they made? thirty-five. They made, they made thirteen out of their their thirty-five threes. But well, that, but that still. was the thing they, that we knew they were going to jack up a bunch of shots, and so you know our deal on that was if we could contest some of those, we were going to get a lot of long rebounds and be able to go with it. Now they they did not shoot the ball very well, but we took away banks early, and then we let Wade shoot. Wade was like, "Man, go ahead. You know, that's the <laughs> hey, you're open because we want you yeah. open." 
Yeah. Um, and Gilliam was a tough matchup. He was he, tough. He he was very good. Had a great that great mid range jumper. But then their other guys, Graham wasn't a great shooter, and and Baz Knight wasn't a great shooter. And, and so we we knew we could kind of sag in off of some of those guys which now we're allowed to no help off of Banks. And mm. then, like I said, in the last two and a half minutes, Banks hit some made crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, I remember he makes the one right in front in the left corner, two of them back to back, one over me and the one over aisle. I'm like, what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, then, then they missed a free throw, which, uh, or we got a long rebound on one of them and I got the dunk. And then that was game. I think they hit a three at the buzzer. To, they did. Yeah. What it was. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, again, you, we weren't – I mean, there's no chance we didn't think going into that game that we weren't going to win. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people are like, oh, my God, Vegas, this, uh, no, no chance. We, I mean, we thought we were the best team in the country. Did you notice when Tark started chewing on the towel? <laughs> because on, on uh, TV, they call it so much easier to see some of these things. But I, I'm just curious about, like – um, you know, from a player's perspective, the ebbs and flow of the game. Cause I think they, I mean, you're right. They, you guys changed your style so much more than, than they did. So I just wondered like what, what they must've been thinking or what you maybe picked up on, uh, from, from their players. Like, did they, you know, look like, wow, these guys are no, really, because you guys put up 53 in the first Tark, half. Tark was always nervous. For yeah, I know, I know. But, uh, and, and, and he recruited me when I was in high school. Yeah, so. I know. I remember he saying but that. But they, uh, no, I mean they they didn't they they knew they knew they were in for it once we got going. I don't think they thought they were gonna come in and steamroll us. I, oh, yeah. I, I think they thought we were gonna slow it down or whatever. But I don't think they they didn't go into that game thinking, oh my god, Indiana, we're gonna drill these guys. They there's no way. Um I mean we'd only lost four games all year and we were <laughs> you know, we were pretty damn good. So yeah, I mean it was uh it, there wasn't a lot of chatter out on the court. There wasn't a lot of chatter in the in the Syracuse game either. So the guys were just playing. What about uh what about coaching moments like in, in the game then? So you mentioned kind of leading up to it that his, you know, the perspective taking and the ability to kind of shift your guys' perspective to like we're gonna run and instill that confidence or that trust in you guys to to uh, execute that game plan but what about within the game uh, adjustments well we really didn't we really didn't make any adjustments in that game because things were working offensively they made some changes defensively but but what was really what was working for us was was staying off of wade and letting him shoot but but then he got some you know when you don't guard a guy it does make it a lot easier to <laughs> pass yeah um, i mean he ended up with a bunch of assists but a lot of that was because guys were making shots but no there really wasn't it was a pretty positive deal the whole time um there was never really anything we got in a little bit of foul trouble which always is kind of a, a nerve-wracking deal i think it was daryl and dean or Daryl and uh, Callaway got some early fouls and other guys came in. And um, I think sometimes that always helps too, getting other guys in there that, that feel good. And, and then it was, I think he was just kind of monitoring, you know, minutes and play and keeping guys fresh. And But yeah, I, I don't remember anything specifically in that game at all. Not as much as what I remember in the, in the Syracuse stuff. I mean, he, he was pretty calm that whole game. Uh, mm. He may have marked to the ref here or there, but it, there was nothing, nothing negative with any players. Like some games, like in the in the in the Auburn game that that year. I mean, we just laid an egg the first five or six minutes, and he went crazy, and he was ripping guys. Um, you know, everybody remembers that because that first six or eight minutes of the Auburn game, we're down twelve or something, and he was going crazy, um, just waking us up basically. But the, the Vegas game was 
was pretty much it went kind of what I think he thought it was going to do. going to be a fast-paced game, up and down. We're going to get a lot of shots. They were going to get buckets because they had guys that could create their own shot, and, and they had good players. And, um, you know, just it went according to what I think he thought in his mind was going to happen. going to be a fast-paced game, up and down. We're going to get a lot of shots. They were going to get buckets because they had guys that could create their own shot, and, and they had good players. And, you know, just it went according to what I think he thought in his mind was going to happen. Well, then, you know, that it turns out the way you guys, you guys want it. I mean, it's 97, 93. Again, he put up 53 in the first half. Also, the a note from the halftime. I loved uh, Tark somehow met, missing the uh, halftime buzzer. And he's like, they're all like running out onto the court. They well, didn't get to warm we up at all. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, we, I mean, literally, the, the locker room. So the, 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 the court was down in the one end. And I mean, you, you had to go a long way. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, a... I don't know. It was a two minute jog. I mean, it was a long one. Yeah. It was like a quarter um, of a mile, probably. I, I don't even remember that. Yeah. He came in late and Knight is on the court trying to get the refs to like, hey, let's go. The the buzzer oh, had the buzzer had gone off and like Tark's like jogging onto the court still with at the time, you know, time it elapsed. And well, I, I don't even remember this. What was the score at half? 53. Uh, you guys had 53, they had 40, 47. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Because I know we got we got ahead by twelve or thirteen at yeah. one point too, and they kind of came back. And uh, but yeah, I mean it that that Vegas game there was just never any frantic moment. You know, maybe a little bit at the end when they just keep draining. I mean, just started hitting three. Made four or five threes. Crazy threes. Three. Yeah. Um. And so you know, but we were ahead by enough there to was almost like okay, don't foul. We're gonna make our free throws. Um. And it does help when you got a team that can make free throws. <laughs> It, it, it does help the the mindset at the end of games because you know, hey, get it to guys that can make free throws. They got a foul, you're gonna make them. You know that that that's a soothing deal at the end of games. But we also trust each other. And coach put in guys that he knew were gonna be able to make plays at the end. And and I think that's a huge thing. And and mm. having good teams is trusting guys that they're gonna make good decisions. You're not always gonna make a play. You're not always gonna make every shot. But you're going to make good decisions, and 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 during that year, we made we didn't lose. We lost Illinois on a close game at Illinois. I don't even remember. We got drilled at Iowa. Uh, they were good too. Pretty bad, and I don't even know the other loss. But but we won close games. Yeah, and we lost one close game, so we were comfortable that way. Hmm. I mean, I, I think that stood out to me so much. Like despite the fast pace of this, you guys never seemed in a hurry. Uh, you know, 62% from the floor. So like you said, it goes to that we started where we started out is like, there's so much emphasis on the three. And I, I understand the, like the statistical measure of it, but you know, if you get really good shots and shoot 62%, those are, that's, you're giving what, that's what their, you know, defense was giving you You guys took it and took advantage of it. Um, Well, yeah. And you know, when you, when you think about that and, him saying, let's take the first good shot mm-hmm. that we get. If somebody's open, shoot it. You know, that takes all the thought process out of it. You know, oh, hey, if I catch the ball, is this a good shot or should I wait to the end of the shot clock? Or, you know, we can maybe work this a little. No, catch, shoot, go to the basket. I mean, there was just so much room out there in that game that I remember because they overplayed so many things. Um, and we did a good job of, of handling the ball that – when they came in and trapped or did whatever, man, all of a sudden now we're four on three. And I just remember so much 
so much freedom to get to the basket and and Vegas did a terrible job of defending away from the ball. They were great on the ball, but they stood and watched ball when they weren't on the ball. And man, you could cut and screen and get. But again, you go back to why are you taking threes when you can make twos all day? Or I mean, you can get to the foul line. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not a big, but going back to that was the first year of the NCAA. Yeah. And it comes in handy the next game. When yeah, Steve hit seven. Forward, you know, if you're hard to guard and you get to the line, you are just, it, it's amazing. Think about this. If you get to the free throw line and you make one of two every single time, you mm-hmm. score one point every single time you make one. That's like shooting 50% from the field. Okay, you shoot 50% from the field, you got two possessions, you score two points. If you get fouled and make one every single time, and you know you're going to make more than one. So getting fouled every single time down the floor is a way better deal than shooting 50%. Yeah, for sure. And, and getting fouled comes from being hard to guard. And, I mean, that's just kind of what – the three-point thing has become such a big part of college basketball. It's become a huge part of the NBA game, too, yeah. because these analytic guys are like, well, if you make 33% of your threes, you know, blah, blah, blah. But if you took a deal where threes were made and when they were missed, I guarantee you shooting a three early in the clock isn't as good as – Inside, out, step into it, knock it down. They're with you on the free throw thing, too. You're right on on that, that that's a great great thing. The best guys. Now with with Indiana, they shoot 8, 10, 12 free throws. We shoot 30. We had games where we shot almost 50. That's a huge advantage. From moving and and being hard and all the screening and creating guys. You know, you get guys on your hip, and now, now you get a guy on your hip. It's almost impossible not to not to foul. Yeah, and you're not getting you you're not get, Yeah, you're and then you're not also like if you're just shooting threes, you're not creating that foul where you could get deeper into the other team's bench and you know get them changing up oh, their lineups yeah. too. And when you miss threes, long rebounds are going the other way. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, it just, for it sure. just is for it's, sure. You know, and so it's interesting on the whole, and I and I hear it all in football all the time. I watch NFL games all the time. It's oh, analytics tell you to do this, but analytics don't have any game time, game situational concept whatsoever. Yeah, you make 33% of them, but okay. You make 50% of your free throws every single time. Yeah, you're right. Give me those. And and again, you're going to shoot better than 50%. Yeah. So, you know, and and that's, again, you go back to that Vegas game. I think getting off to a good start Mm -hmm. and seeing that we could run up and down and we were making shots and uh, we were having success, just breed, you know, success breeds more success. And and then you get into a game. I always tell people it's way harder watching the game from the bench. <laughs> like I, you know, you get nervous watching the game. Once you get in, it's fine. I'm nervous yeah. watching, even I know the outcome. Oh, you know, it's way harder. Like I watch my kid play. It's way. Yeah. You know, I said I said to my mom when we we're watching my kid play <laughs> hockey game and college hockey game, and my mom was in the game. I said. Ah. My dad's passed away. And I said, "How did he? How did my? How did dad watch these?" Yeah, games? you know. And she goes, "Oh my god, he used to just pull his hair out. He was so nervous, yeah, and, you know, anxious, and just it, there's just anxiety because you want your kid to do so well. But you know, when you're sitting there on the bench and you're watching, it's like, and you know you're gonna go in, but at what point? What are you gonna do? And, and but once you get in and you get run up and down the floor, now you're into it, and it's pretty easy. 
because all that kind of goes away. It's instinct. It's, it's way harder to watch. What about, okay. So you guys really blew the, all, speaking of analytics, things that people are, things that people always talk about, people always talk about, you can't shoot in a dome, but it didn't seem to affect you guys. So was that like in your head? Did just no one talk about it or like, how no, did you overcome that? Thing, Aaron, on that? So we, we played in the Hoosier dome and the Hoosier domes, uh, uh, was a bubble and lighting was terrible, tough to shoot. You got to the super dome and they put it all down the one end zone and everything else was black except the court. They really darken the court. So the depth perception at the Superdome when you do it in an end zone wasn't nearly as bad as what it was like when you do it with a, a bubble top where it's pretty light. And so that, I think that made it a little bit easier. And, and and they brought the, you know, those stands were brought in and and they, they set that thing up pretty well. Now they put it in the middle of the field, which I think is tough. And it is it, the, the domes are tough because there is a it's not so bad when you're head on. It's when you get to the sides and, and you start shooting and you're looking up and, and you don't see the rim. I mean, it's just you can't it is a depth perception deal. It takes a little time. But the Hoosier or at the Superdome in New Orleans, they did a really good job of darkening and, and, and really making the stands dark to where you had a pretty good shooting background yeah i hadn't thought about that well, well what about after the game then you, you guys had kind of had this serious approach to leading up to the game very focused and leaving kind of leaving late even to new orleans but what about after the game is there just like right back to the the focus is there a chance to celebrate or what's well, that it was interesting because um you know coach when we were going down there said hey we're not going to do anything different we're going down there and play two games and we're going to do our normal routine and he was really big on routine mm-hmm. really big on yeah routine. And so I remember Isle gets the dunk and everybody's going crazy. <laughs> and I remember grabbing Alford and, and, and I think it was maybe Daryl, because uh, we, we were out on the corner. I said, oh, 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 we got one more game to play. This isn't it. And Steve was like, ah, shut up, Joe. We won this game. We'll worry about Monday later. <laughs> yeah. And I was, you know, but yeah, we got, I mean, well, let's see, we, we played the late game. So we got back fairly late. We were tired. I mean, it was a drain. We, we, we didn't get – God, we may not even got back to – everybody back to the hotel. In fact, I think some guys left because we had to get drug tested. So they pulled eight guys. They talked about that. Yeah. And I we, we didn't get back until pretty late on that Saturday night. And then what was really interesting is we got up and Coach looked at Steve. We were meeting in the uh, – in one of the hotel ballroom things where we'd walk through stuff and – and Coach asked Steve and said, hey, do we want to go shoot around today? Steve kind of said, nah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty tired. And or, or we all said, yeah, 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 let's. And Coach said, no, no, hey, look, we're, we're yeah. tired. We're gassed. Maybe we should just walk through it. And everyone went, yeah, we're fine because we're going to go shoot around Monday morning. Mm. We're good. So Sunday, we didn't do anything but walk through, you know, watch a lot of film, walk mm-hmm. through. Uh, started setting up some of our what we were going to do defensively against Syracuse. Now, offensively, we didn't have to set much up because mm-hmm. you know if the other team played a man to man, we're going to run a regular offense and you're going to guard us and that there's no setting <laughs> anything up. Yeah. Um, but if you watch the you know the end the last play, they go to a box and one, which kind of messed us up after the timeout and, and we had to kind of rearrange everything. It's a good thing we had 29 seconds left, but you know, so that, that Sunday and it was pouring down rain, very, really humid down in new Orleans. And so guys were tired. He wanted us to get our legs back. We walked through a couple of times. We, we ate, we basically just rested. Nobody left the hotel. We didn't do anything. Um, and then come Monday, we went up, did a uh, shoot around Monday morning, probably 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 
walk through a bunch of stuff. And then you play, well, we were playing down there about eight, eight fifteen. So just normal, kept everything the same. I mean, hmm. that that was he was Coach Knight was really good about not making any game bigger than another one. I mean, and and so us going down there on Friday, the day before the game, like we always did, it just didn't become a bigger event. Yeah, and consistency that, for young people. Yeah, it just big. keeps um keeps people on a level keel, and and you just it helps with the anxiety of the moment. Young guys, 18 to 22 years old. I mean, you, know, you get out of your routine. You can really, yeah. yeah, you can really start thinking about it. That's interesting. So, you know, that, and I, I did like what he, like he said, Hey, you guys want to go down to New Orleans and have fun? Go do it. <laughs> I think Vegas and them, they, a lot of those teams, two of them got there Tuesday and the other, team, I mean, they, they were all down there by Wednesday. It was like, well, what are you going to do? That's crazy. I know. Well, that, that I think that helped uh, helped us our mindset for yeah. sure. Knight, Tark the Shark, camaraderie, the Superdome, and legendary players. Thank you for joining us for this look back at Indiana versus UNLV. 1987 Final Four game. Iconic Seasons 1987 is a principal podcast production. I'm your host and executive producer, Aaron Meyer. Robert was my contributor on this episode. If you enjoy this series, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts and follow the show. Make sure to leave us a rating and review. It really helps us and helps others discover the show. If you want to get in touch with any questions or comments about this show, send us an email. Our email address is hardwoodhistory at gmail.com. You can also find me on Twitter at Principal Meyer. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back soon with the final two episodes of Iconic Seasons 1987.